Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. Welcome to the 12th episode of Season 7 of the Tom Petty Project Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the weekly podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue, song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. So, as I've started doing lately, a few social media shout-outs. First of all, thanks to everyone who said very nice things about the 100th episode anniversary. I know that most podcasts don't make it this far, so I'm really happy to have hit that milestone and also to still have so many of you along for the ride. Thank you very much for listening. Um, Talking about Ain't Love Strange on Facebook, Mark Lindsay said, only a few artists could explain something as complicated as love in only the first two to three sentences of a song. Tom is clearly one of those master songwriters. And I've talked lots before about Tom's ability with language and heading into the second half of the catalogue, we're only going to be talking about that particular facet of his craft more. Um, Another quick shout out to Marilyn, Rebecca, Penny and Griselda, who are the moderators of the Tom Petty Fans Forever Facebook group. Since the passing of Gwen Jones, these ladies have kept up the energy and the spirit of the group beautifully, so that it's still the same positive, very relaxed, very happy, uh, welcoming place it was when I joined it back in August of 2021. Seems like a lifetime ago. Um, When the number of members then hadn't even hit a thousand. It's over 2,000 now, and it's still kept its sort of family sense of fun that drew me in when I joined it. So if you're a Petty fan and you're on Facebook and you're not in that group, go give it a look up. It's a great group to be a part of. Today's episode covers the penultimate track from Let Me Up by Had Enough, and a song that, to my ear, has always had the most Springsteen flavor sprinkled into it uh, in, in the Heartbreakers catalog, How Many More Days. So if you're new to the podcast, I don't play the song itself in the episode uh, to stay on the right side of copyright law and to be respectful to Tom's music and, and the estate. Uh, so there's a link in the episode notes to go listen to the song before we dig in. In conversations with Tom Petty, Tom tells Paul Zolo that this is another song from these sessions that was completely ad-libbed in the studio. He then relays a wonderful anecdote about the Heartbreakers' wardrobe lady, Queenie, her real name, Linda Bircher. And Tom says, she's been with us, God knows, since the early 80s. She always requests that one. We'll always be back there in the hall waiting for the encore and Queenie will run up and go, how many more days? How many more days? But we never do it. We don't know it. Just that she thinks we would know it is hysterical. So here we get another peek behind the curtain. Um, You know, not every band remembers every song they ever did, especially something that's old. If it's 10, 15, 20 years later, they're not going to remember all the the songs they ever wrote. But, you know, maybe it's not quite as crazy as Tom thinks because of the 10 times the Heartbreakers played this song live, it was part of the encore at least three times. And it was the second song in the set four other times. So, you know, Queenie, Queenie might have got a wish. You never know. How Many More Days is one of three songs on this album that fades in. It's a production technique you rarely hear these days. And, you know, when you're ad-libbing songs live in the studio, it could just be that there were a few bars of everyone getting into the right groove, you know, maybe how we hadn't noticed what key they were in or something. So they play for a little bit and then they just slide in and cut that out at the beginning. So the song fades straight into the verse pattern on that single A-sharp chord. Immediately, the rhythm of the song is established. Stan Lynch is keeping straight time in the drums, playing a four-on-the-floor kick pattern, that is to say, playing the kick drum on every beat of the bar, with the snare on the twos and fours, so that backbeat again. Uh, and unless there's some additional percussion in there, which I don't think there would be, given the way Tom describes this one to Paul Zolo, Stan's doing some subtly tasty work on this on his hi-hat, so playing a nice ta-ta-ta, ta-ta-ta triplet pattern. It's mixed fairly low, so it's kind of hard to hear, but at this point, that's what it sounds like to me. 
How he Epstein is sitting on the root notes on the bass guitar, filling out the bottom end of the rhythm section. Tom is playing nice open chords in that right channel while Mike slides all over the lead in the left. With Benmont adding in both organ and piano, we're getting a big wall of sound sonic approach on this one. So while the one chord verse could be repetitive, there's actually quite a lot going on. When the first chorus comes along, we get that welcome major fourth, fifth change. And this is also when Benmont's piano takes over melodically, as it has done in a couple of other spots on this album. This is also where I get a really strong Springsteen vibe, because that piano is really high in the mix, and Ben's playing those big, full, suspended chords over the root notes. It just really reminds me of the way Springsteen likes his piano to sound. Even through the verses, Benmont's playing those, you know, the suspended notes lower on the keyboard in the left channel. And what's cool is, when he moves that piano lick into the higher octaves during the chorus, the mix is then switched over to the right channel. So that's a nice little bit of production to give the song just a little bit more width. The chorus is a very simple repeated line, how many more days till I see you again? And even this kind of reminds me of the boss. It's got a very rustic simplicity to it, and it's the piano that soars over top of it. Um, you can also hear the difference between Howie and Ron Blair in this section, as Howie sits deep, deep, deep in the pocket and plays just the root notes on those low strings, where Ron would almost definitely have slid up to play some octave notes and sort of played around the octave a little bit more. In the second verse, we get a little change up from Stan, who plays the kick on the three and four, rather than just the three and four of every second bar. So it's ba, 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 instead of ba, ba. Right, so on the, on the fourth, it's on the fourth, uh, fourth beat of every second bar. And listening to the very slight space when the second chorus comes in, I actually don't think that Stan's playing a broken triplet. Now it sounds more like it's a tambourine that's been overdubbed later. But these are mysteries we may never get to the bottom of. We go into the second chorus, and there's something I find really, really interesting here. If you listen around the 104 to 106 mark, you can hear what sounds like a second piano part come in on the left channel over top of the piano on the right channel. So I don't think that's Benmont playing two-handed way up on the higher end of the keyboard. Two reasons. First of all, there's still an organ track playing. So Benmont almost always plays organ left and piano right, you know, because he's going to lead with his right and he's just going to keep the, um, the chords going with the left on the organ, o ordinarily. And the second part you hear sounds like it's playing across the same suspended chords, which you just, you just wouldn't play that way. So either that was a mistake during the mixing process that they missed, or one that they thought, hey, you know what, that actually sounds kind of cool. Either way, it's something that jumped out at me and I thought I'd comment on it. We're now a minute and 10 seconds into the song and we've had two verses and two choruses. There's no stopping now though, and we get a trademark Stan Lynch snare fill to lead us into the bridge. And this is where Howie steps up an octave on the bass and plays around the root notes more rather than sticking to them religiously. This middle eight is actually middle 16 and starts on the minus six before going to the root A sharp on the first round of eight bars, then transitioning between that minus six and then the major fifth to end this section. We also get a bar where the drums cut out here as Tom sings, whoa, yeah, yeah. This is another Springsteen staple and I don't mean to beat that idea to death, but hanging the bridge on that fifth for four bars like that, man, it just really sounds like it was born on Ean Street to my ears. And that's not to say it's not effective. It's just a motif that doesn't crop up very often in the Heartbreakers catalogue. Throughout the bridge, there's no let up from Mike Campbell and Benmont either. Ben's still chopping his way around those suspended chords and Mike's still sliding around that lead all over the place. And we'll get to the production a little later, but this is where I think the song could have used an outside ear. I think that that just feels very slightly cluttered. All right, folks, it's time for some petty trivia. Your question from last week was this. In the song Cool Dry Place, 
Which instrument does Tom not sing about having? Is it A, harmonicas, B, trombones, C, trumpets, or D, mandolins? Well, in the song, Tom inventories guitars, basses, drums, accordions, mandolins, cymbals, harmonicas, organs, trombones, and of course, Yamaha DX7s. What he doesn't sing about is trumpets. So the answer was C, trumpets. I'm always torn between Cool Dry Place and End of the Line when I'm trying to decide on what my favourite Travelling Wilburys song is. And incredibly, at 3 minutes and 37 seconds, that's the longest track on Volume 3 and the joint third longest song in the Wilburys catalogue. Get in and get out. Don't waste a single note. And Tom was in you know, pretty great company when it came to economy in that group and brought his distinctive draw to a brilliantly jocular song about having masses and masses of musical equipment and nowhere to put them. Your question for this week is this. Sticking with the Wilburys theme, which legendary blues musician appeared on the Wilburys Volume 3 album? Was it A, Eric Clapton, B, Billy Gibbons, C, Peter Green, or D, Gary Moore? Okay, back to the song. The bridge leads us into a strange four-bar, I'd almost call it a pre-solo. It's the root A-sharp for four bars, with Tom singing, I need to see you again, sort of over top of that, you know, the intro or the verse uh, pattern. And this leads us into, you know, a 16-bar verse-chorus pair instrumentally, over which Mike Campbell lays down a solo, with Benmont adding in some piano flair toward the end. Now stay with me on this, don't lose, I don't want to lose you here, but this is probably the only instance in the entire Heartbreakers catalogue where I think I've ever heard Mike C drop a note. If you listen closely between 204 and 205, he plays a major seventh note, which I'd be willing to bet money he didn't mean to. Um, but as this is all completely off the cuff and improvised, it's incredible that he's gone through this entire song without losing his way at least once in one take. It's not exactly a duff note, but it doesn't fit the straight bluesy pentatonics he's been playing to that point at all which is why I think it was a very teeny tiny mistake. The final verse comes in and we do get a slight dynamic shift with Benmont and Mike dialing their playing right back and the percussion drop way back also. It's almost to just the kick and the snare. There's no hat in there. There's definitely no um, definitely no tambourine in there. Uh, the chorus then starts to build back into the outro with Howie playing some higher bass notes and Mike Campbell saving his best for last. Um, some of the licks he plays in this outro are, are really, really tasty. We also don't get a fade out here, and right at the end you can hear Ben Mont's beautiful organ tone shining through at last. On to the production. Look, I don't love it on this song, I, in, basically in general. I think it's one of the few times you could accuse Mike of overplaying a little bit, and I think the solo was definitely a very quick one take and done. And that usually works, but again, that major seventh note just feels a little bit out of place to me, and not something that Mike would usually leave in at all. It's definitely not something Jimmy Iovine, Rick Rubin, or Jeff Lynne would have left in. The bass is a bit muddy again, and I think the song suffers from being a little bit too cluttered. You know, you also can't hear Benmont's organ. And I think maybe if Benmont had filled Mike's space with that organ higher in the mix, and Mike had played fewer licks to give the song a bit more space, um, I reckon it would have made Mike's guitar playing sound better and just sort of made the song just, I don't know, made sonically a little bit cleaner. It's just overall, it's just a wee bit muddy, this one. Um, this, again, it's a very rare thing in the Heartbreakers catalogue. It doesn't ruin the song, but I do think it detracts from it. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, Pettyheads, that's it for this week. Um, I really enjoyed talking to Ivan Anderson last week, and I hope you enjoyed that episode too. One of the things that really tickled me pink was when he called Listen to Her Heart a little song, then going on to explain very clearly what he meant by that. And that was a moment where I thought, oh man, I wish I'd thought of describing that song that way. How Many More Days is another perfect example of a little song to me. The highlights in this one are Ben Mont's beautiful bright piano and Tom's excellent lazy drawl delivery. It's a nice little song, a pretty solid album track that could have been elevated, I think, by some better production and maybe a little bit more time in the arrangement, but it has a certain charm to it and the chorus refrain is irresistibly humble and catchy. So I'm going to give How Many More Days a safe and solid 6 out of 10. How's that for an alliteration? Uh, please remember that you can continue to support humanitarian efforts in Ukraine in many different ways, and I would urge you to do so if you have the means, as always. There's a link to the Red Cross donation page in the episode notes. The Tom Petty Project is a proud member of the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Go check them out on Twitter at Deep Dive Podnet. Um, and again, check out my friend Corey Morissette's podcast. Check out them all. They're all, they're all great. Um, and the podcast will rock. That's a Van Halen podcast. He does uh, Backtracks Aerosmith, going through the, uh, the Aerosmith catalogue. And then he has Backtracks theme music where he talks about um, where he talks about movies or TV shows and music. And I have been very privileged to be a guest on all three. Um, again, I'll probably, I don't think I, I'm not sure if I posted all of them. So maybe I'll do a bit of a post out again this week and start sharing some of the deep dive podcasts for you uh, to catch up on if you've not checked them out already. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Tom Petty Project and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. So go follow, like, subscribe, all those things. The same things I say every week. If you haven't done them already, you know what? You're probably not going to, so maybe I can cut some of this out. Keep talking to me on social media. Uh, I do love the the interaction. It's been a lot, I've been a little bit quieter in the last couple of three weeks, but I've been, been a little bit busy with some other stuff. I've got a couple of other uh, projects cooking, but I'll be back to more sort of social media engagement and posting, I think, in the next in the next week or so. Uh, the Tom Petty Project is not affiliated with the Tom Petty Estate in any way, and when you're looking for Tom's music, please visit the official YouTube channel first to try to find what you're looking for, and also go to TomPetty.com for official merchandise. You can check out um, TomPettyProject.com for unofficial my podcast merchandise. There's not Tom's face is not on there. Tom's name is not on any of it. Um, like the request of the estate, but there is some stuff on there that I think is pretty cool. Uh, don't forget to check out the Tom Petty Nation and Tom Petty Fans Forever groups on Facebook if you're not already a member. I love hanging out, especially in the Tom Petty Fans Forever group. Um, the Tom Petty Nation is where you're going to get all your Tom Petty news. It's the official fan club, and that's where you're going to find out about new releases and all that kind of stuff. So go hang out or even just dip your toes into there every now and again. Um, until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you next week to cover the final track from the seventh Heartbreakers album, the title track, Let Me Up, I've Had Enough. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>